When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And I'm, I'm with Dennis Carlin, probably one of Cox and Glenn Orville's one of the most outstanding Jupiters. First of all, Dennis, Congratulations on the book. By all accounts, it's a fantastic read, and I'll get to that another day. But first question is the obvious question. Why now? Well, why now is true. I'm a lot more mature now and uh, more careful about what I'd say. But um, it just happened out of the blue. Um, last September, Liam Hayes, who played football with with um, uh, telephoned me, Mark and I, we were in Portugal at the time, and um, even though I had never met Liam or spoken to him before, he mentioned that um, that I had done some research in my background and I'd make a, an ideal candidate for for um, a book. So I said, "Look, I'm on holidays at the moment, and when I come back, let me uh, give me a call and we'll talk further." So, but I didn't make up my mind. That was September, and I didn't make up my mind until February of this year. Then. And when I, I suppose the reason he came down once, once or twice to to talk to me, and um, he was very convincing in, in a very gentle, persuasive uh, manner, if you can apply that to any mid footballer being gentle, but um, so he, I thought about it a lot in the sense that he said, "Look, um, you're you're the age you are, which is seventy five now, and." Um, we only produce books for mature people, he said, rather than somebody who might have only retired in the past 12 months or two years when you use, when they have only um, just finished their own playing career. But he said, you have finished playing now maybe 35 or 40 years and you've had a life after that. So I found that very interesting <coughs> and attractive because it's the one thing I like um, knowing about people themselves who write their autobiography, what have they done after their their time in sport or politics or whatever. So that was um, one of the reasons. The other one's reason was that um, he mentioned that that it would be nice to leave a legacy to um, to your family and children in particular. And I thought about that. But before I made a decision anyway, I spoke with my wife Margaret and the the three lads Johnson, Mags and Kira, and to my pleasant surprise they all thought that I should go and do it um, straight away without any misgivings at all and so I um, I made a decision then in February and um, to go ahead with it 
And obviously, I know the reaction I get from people around Cork that it's a very pleasant read. You don't have any regrets about doing it, even when you when you said yourself, now you're retired from playing activity for a long, long time, even though you're still in the in the in the public eye as a selector with Cork and Glen over the years. Yes. Um the next step then, it w- there's a process involved, and I'm answering your question this way. There's a process involved, which you explained to me, that they appoint a writer or, uh, uh, to to me and um, that they have a li- uh, kind of a stable of r- uh, writers. Uh, and he explained also that there's a difference between journalists and novelists and some other writers. So, But if I had a preference myself... That that would be fine as far as they were concerned. So um, I did have a preference for one or two, and I made inquiries. But strange enough, um, both of them had been um, had maybe written a book or two over the the last two or three, the previous two or three years for other people, and they were taking a rest because mentally they were tired, but for no other reason than that. So um, eventually, um, uh, Liam said, look, he says, I think I have the, the person for you, he says, to, um, to um, that you uh, would be compatible with, your, you, with the way you speak and the way you uh, talk and everything. So um, he gave me the, the name of um, Ty Coakley. He asked me, did I know Ty Coakley? And I said... No, but I said, I know there was a Ty Cook that played minor hurling with Cork around in the late 70s. Well, he said, I, that's the man. He says, I have met him, he said, and I think you'd be very compatible. So uh, he made arrangements for, for Ty and I to get together. And Ty is a novelist as opposed to being, um, he writes essays. And strangely enough, um before Christmas, maybe back in October, September, October, I read an article, a rugby article, and um, I was quite taken with it. And um, and it had been by Ty Coakley, whom I didn't register at all with. And then in the Cork Hollybow at Christmas, didn't he have another article about the day he won his minor little medal, but was to do with himself and his father? And I thought it was a lovely writing. But so it was ironic that um, he was the, the man chosen to by Liam Hayes to know would he write uh, my story with me. So I couldn't have got, as as the, the time went on, as um, I couldn't have got a more pleasant, a more knowledgeable person on hurling and at the same time um, was able to guide me in different directions and how to open up my mind. For instance, um uh, he, say, he asked me where I was born and reared, and I told him, he said, tell me about going in the front door. And I said, what do you mean, Tag? You know, he said, tell me about going in. I was on the right hand side when you walked in the front door. And I told him there was a gas meter. And um, and he said, well, I was on the left hand side. Well, I said, there was a door into another room, uh, the good room. And where was the kitchen? I said, questions like that. But... I'm only using that as an example. It really opened up my mind and made me think about where I was born and reared and uh, my imagination then um, started growing with that. And we, we we just clicked, literally, you know. And for, for, the, for the, the, the year of our listeners, we should say, you were born in Madden's Buildings, which is in the heart of Blackpool. It's totally different now, even though the houses haven't really changed that much. It's totally different now than what it was then. Yes, the houses were, um, back in my own time, were 
they were lovely houses for the, their era. They have now changed, they evolved again now in the last uh, 15 years um, with all the houses being having been renovated, all 76 houses in the two Madden's buildings. And um, it was a lovely place to live. I have to say we were very lucky. There was no cars at that time racing up and down in the buildings. Uh, so we had plenty of time to play it at whatever games we, we, we had, where it was um, kicking football, which was frowned upon in case you break a window, or, or um, racing against each other, or playing marbles or whatever. I suppose when being in the heart of Blackpool, it was obvious that you were going to gravitate to one club, or two clubs, or one club, Glen Rovers and Saint Nicks, even at that early years, early stage in your life? Well, no, strangely enough, um, it wasn't. Because <laughs> strange enough, it wasn't because I went to the North Man, and I played under, I played under twelve and under fourteen with the man, and I have a photograph with eighteen of us having won the equivalent of ski in the skull, and there's eighteen in the photograph taken <coughs> in the man itself, and sixteen, sixteen played with Napierschig. One played with St. Vincent's and I was from the Glen, even though I hadn't officially played with the Glen at that stage. So, um, and the the, guy, the lads who were who were playing with Napierschick, they weren't all necessarily from Farnry, which was being only being recently built then because I was in the 50s. And um, so I wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, there was no organisation that time and there was nobody coming knocking at your door. There was no organised uh, team sports. So you, whatever, I could have gone. I remember actually my friend sent me whether to come up to the pier shake and I said, well, of course. So um, I distinctly recall one night that I was, um, we used to say the rosary. And we were made to say the rosary every night after, after our tea, mother and father and my two sisters and I. And uh, there was a knock at the door. And we were kneeling down and there was a knock at the door and um, I knew it was a couple of my friends coming to know would I go with them up to and appear she there was a match on. And I could hear my mother saying, he's not going up there, he's saying the rosary. <laughs> and um, when she came in, um, didn't say anything to me, we continued with the rosary and when the rosary was over, uh, the boys had gone and I was left uh, home and dried, literally. And I was quite upset about it and cross with my mother, even though I was only 12. But it was that close. I could have gone up to Napierschig. I could have gone to St. Vincent's. Uh, they were further up than Napierschig. You could play with anyone that time. And it was only by accident that um, I ended up playing with the Glen because my father, depending on what shift he was on, he would take us for walks out in the evening, especially in the summer. And the Glenfield, which was a long way away at the time, um, he was take us up there on a summer evening because there might be a match on. We'd always just take a chance there might be a match on. They'd never be advertised. And uh, lo and behold, um, the, there was a, a junior hurling match or something, but there was a load of young lads playing hurling at the side. And I just always brought my hurling with me. And there was a man there, and I think his name was Plunkett, Plunkett O'Callaghan. Um, I didn't know his name at the time, and I, he said join in there, and I joined him at the when I was when we were finished. He said he asked me my name and where was I from, so um, I think that's how it started then, really.
Hello. I knew your mother, Dennis, obviously, and she was a lovely lady. I always got a lovely cup of tea off her. And saying the rosary ensured you joined the Glen. <laughs> Probably did, I suppose. It did, actually. No, no, that I think of it, yeah. Uh, it made all the... You were, you were supposed to be seen that time and not heard, so you, you, you did what you were told, really, you know. <laughs> And now, Dennis, that we've established your mother's rosary and show you joined the Glen and St. X and after a, a, an underage career, let's talk then about your senior career with, with Glen Rover and St. X. 63, you tell me you made your debut with St. X and 64 with Glen Rovers at a time when both clubs were really top of the tree. Yeah, um, my, my football career began before the hurling simply because I made uh, but I was picked for the Munster final and uh, I that was a draw and we were beaten in the replay so whereas I never played minor hurling for Cork at all and having played in with the Cork minor football team wasn't I very surprisingly selected on the under 21 team at um, at 17 so or, yeah, 17 eight, stroke 18 so I had four years on the under 21 football team whereas I was lucky to get a game on the minor team so I couldn't figure that out that still happens <laughs> <laughs> So um, so I was beginning to establish myself So at football, even though I, um, I was playing both. So from that point of view, Cynics brought me on to their senior panel um, to, to, to play. So I played one or two games in the championship with Cynics. I didn't make it for the, the, the final, uh, even though I was a, a sub. But um, so we played UCC in the final, there's a senior county final in 1963 and we were very unlucky now to, to, to be beaten by one point, kind of, uh, and UCC got a very fortunate goal, um, which uh, towards the end of the game and um, it was, um, but it, at the same time it was the start of a very good era for St. Nick's. We, before we talk about your hurling county medals, because obviously they were far more, but Cynics won back-to-back counties, which was probably rare enough in those times, and they were both against the Bears, both against the Bears, and I believe one of them was a horrendous day. Yeah, um, as I said, we went to the county final in 63, and we were beaten in the first round, then in 64 by Mill Street, who had beaten us the previous year in the junior county final so they had gone up senior and beat us outside in McCroom but 1965 and 66 then were great years I mean St. Nick's was on a great run at the time uh, if I recall we won we won five Keller Shields in a row uh, which was very very big thing it was the, the, the senior the division won the senior league so we had a very good cohort of players like John Joe Kelly was a great leader uh, Massey O'Connor had come. Uh, O'Connor had come from Kerry and joined us, and he was a great asset. Dennis Driscoll from Vendon, and we had all the local horrors as well. And Patsy Hart now, Jackie Daly, and all those lads. They all played. So we had two very very good years. Now, uh, nineteen sixty five, we for the county final. The weather was so bad on the day that. Um, but we were under in this in the old athletic grounds now where the stand was and the dressing rooms were under the stand and really uh, you knew uh, that the water used to be dripping down and seriously the water used to be dripping down on our clothes and um, word came in that uh, the conditions were so bad that uh, both teams had uh, were togged out 
in their respective uh, dressing rooms. But word came into Senex, um, I recall this, that uh, will we go ahead with the county final? And we, I heard somebody asking, are the bars going out? And they said, no, they don't want to go. We said, we're going out. Typical <laughs> <laughs> cynics. And the one, the pitch was in, in a dreadful state altogether. But we managed to, they were very good footballers now, two of the bars, like the hurlers. And um, there's some very good players in Mickey Horgan now and John O'Brien centre field. And it was a Barry Studder, I remember, too. And uh, I think Gerald McCarthy was playing. So, um, but we beat them by uh, a point or two in a very close fought game. But I think there was only something like five or six hundred people out of the weather was so bad, and only um, uh, people were surprised that was actually played. So that was 65, and we went on a great run again in 1966. And we were drawn against, and we made it to the county final, having beaten Clan in the semi final uh, to, to face um, UCC. Now, UCC had a star team at the time. I know Mick Morris from Kerry, who was playing with Kerry, was playing, and I, I think Pat Moynihan from Kerry was playing the same day. Uh, but they had a very good um, that time. I think your, your your senior players could play. Would had to play with the college. That was the rule. Very controversial rule at the time, if I remember, because some players who would have been playing with the Glen and Knicks and the Bears would end up playing against their own teammates. Yeah, that's perfectly true. Yes, um, it was good in one sense, I suppose, but at at the same time, it was depriving the club of some of the better players. You know, so eventually they 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 adjusted the whole uh, rule and it was changed. So um sixty six we oh yeah we beat college in the in the semi final which was against the head really because they had a stars to the team and we were in the final again against the bars this time and it was on a drier day. No the county that county final in sixty six was delayed uh, because the Glen went to America in nineteen sixty six in September for three weeks. So everything was put back until we were back the late October. And we played, I think, in the first Sunday in December, which was a very good day, actually, weather-wise. And it was a very good match. And it was very, very close until the last minute. I think it was a draw until the last minute. Um, <clears throat> the Bars got a free out from their own, uh, 21 yards free, uh, 21 yards out from their own goal. And um, the player in question uh, took a short kick. and. <laughs> no I won't <laughs> and I know him very well but he, he went to take a short free which was unheard of in those days but was intercepted by Jackie Daly who passed it very quickly onto Bill Carroll and he popped it over the bar and the kick was full time <laughs> so we were now after winning two county championships in a row and beating the bars on four in, in, the, in both finals but I might as well finish that story in that in 1964 the Glen won the county championship beating the bars in the final and we won it again in 67, beating the Bars in the final. So we now had gone four years, two hurling and two football, and we'd beaten the Bars in all four finals. And all Bars people are now turning off the radio. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and then, of course, Dennis, before we go on to the hurling side of things, Cynics were the first winners of the Munster Club Championship, which was unknowns then and ever before the Nemo's, and we, uh, we credit Nemo what they, and the Bars what they've achieved. But that was some achievement for Cynics. It was, um, yeah, and... The, the Munster Club Championship was uh, had only been formed in '64, so we uh, it wasn't played in '65 for some reason. 
No, I'm not sure because um, Bearer were maybe, I might be wrong here, Bearer. I think actually Bearer won it, but then it was changed to the club championship. All oh, right, okay, so that's why. So we were, Kirk's represented us then in 66 and we beat Askeaton, I remember, in the first round from Limerick. And I can't recall who the second round was. Oh, Clanmel commercials in a, f- <laughs> a very tough match, I have to say, down in Dungarvan. And then we were in the final against uh, John Mitchells of Tralee. So it was a typical Cork and Kerry. And I wasn't played until 1967. So, um, Cynics, uh, we, we, I was played in Killarney, a lovely summer's evening in the final. And Cynics beat uh, John Mitchells by a point or two. So we were the first club, really, ever to win the Munster Club Championship. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, no, uh, there was uh, it stopped there. There was no official All Ireland club. Uh, club. Uh, there was no official uh, semi final or All Ireland semi final or final. But uh, Dunmore McHales got in touch with Cynix. They were in a similar position above in Connacht. They had one out Connacht, and they um, got in touch with Cynix uh, to know uh, if we would agree to an unofficial All Ireland club final. So the, the 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 conditions are hammered out anyway, and lo and behold, uh, agreement was great, uh, given by the two county boards in Galway and in Cork. So the first game was to be played in Cork and the Mardyke, and um, Dunmore McHale's had a very good team. I recall Galway were in the middle of their three in a row, and they had um, five or six of the Galway team: John Keenan, his brother, and uh, Seamus Layden and one or two more. So they had a star-studded team, but uh, uh, after a fantastic game in the Mardag, where there was a big crowd, something like 10,000, uh, the game ended in a draw. So uh, it was agreed that there'd be a replay as well. <laughs> so we all went off up the tomb for the replay, which was a big day out for us. And um, um, so, But they beat us in, in tomb, and I can't recall what, by what score now. Am I right then, Dennis, in saying that as a result of that, we'll say ex- experiment for the one for a better word, that the concept of the, uh, the club championship extended to an All-Ireland con- uh, competition? Yeah, well, it, it was such a success and the two games were, were uh, created great interest that it was uh, unanimously decided then at Congress that um, an official uh, All-Ireland club final would take place then <coughs> as an extension to the the, the the provincial final that to be an All Ireland semi final and final so the cynics in fairness uh, had a big part in history now looking back that um, they were the first monster club winners and they were um, very prominent in the um, in 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 the, in the formation of the um, the All Ireland club fi- uh, championship then. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, Dennis, your first county championship medal with Glen Rovers in 1964, and at the time, and it still is strong today, as the rivalry was the Glen and the Bars, and, you know, long may that continue. But there was another intense rivalry at the time. It's not as intense now, but it was Glen and the College, and there were some fascinating games and some really tough games in, the, in that period. Yeah, you're right there, Finney. Um, the Glen and the Bars was um, a lifetime um, rivalry. But uh, UCC emerged there in the the late 50s and the early 60s um, before I started at all. Like, I started playing senior. But um, they were incredible games. I, I remember going down to the games and just as a spectator as a, in my late teens, being almost terrified looking at the, the, the size of the two teams and the way they went at each other. In terms of skill, now I'm talking, there were some fantastic hurlers on both sides. College had... Um, um, Mick Martell, uh, Michal Murphy from Black, uh, Mick Martell from Charleville, who played with Cork, Mick Mur- Michal Murphy from Blackrock, who played with Cork. They had quite a few players now. Um, there was a guy by the name of uh, Jimmy Byrne from Waterford. What a class hurler! Played Railway really Cup with Munster. So there were quite uh, there were some brilliant hurlers there. Um, and just before that. Um, I recall uh, admiring a left half forward um, by the name of Liam Shalhoub, also from Waterford. Yeah, and um, and he um, well, he was marking Jory O'Sullivan from time to time, who was right half back. But he subsequently became very friendly with Liam Shalhoub. He is a past uh, captain and president of Cork Golf Club, where I meet him on a regular basis now. And even though that's nearly six years ago. Is he still the marks from Jory? <laughs> he still has the marks from Jory. And they were a great team, obviously, a lot before my time. They only won two counties, the college. And I presume the Glen had a big say in that. They had, yes. Um, they had, because the Glen uh, had some wonderful players, uh, including Christy Ring, you know, and... Um, Exactly, but uh, that 1964 match now, for instance, he, I mean, at, he was in his 40s at that stage, early 40s, and he got a goal and four points. I know the goal was just before halftime, which was um, a very significant score, but the Glen had some great players. They had some great goalkeepers too, like I know Dave Creedon played in the 50s, but there was a John O'Brien then who played until the late 60s, uh, the early 60s, and Finn Baronil came along in 54. Who who was uh, turned out to be a wonderful goalkeeper altogether, but um, and you had Jerry Sullivan then and Patsy Hart and Jackie and Bill Carroll. They, they were all, and John Young. Were, they were all very good, really, you know. But there was um, with Cynics winning and the Glen winning. There was uh, there were practically 
all the same players and there was a wonderful spirit there between them all I, I, I was just um, it was a pleasure for me as a youngster to be looking on and seeing how they got, uh, played and how they trained in particular and Did you ever envisage when you were growing up that you'd end up being one of them in terms of playing ability? You know, most uh, young fellas and a dream of playing with uh, their club or with their county. I can honestly say it. I thought I'd never play a senior hurling, that I wouldn't be at that level at all. When when Guinness were the first um, sponsors of the, the All-Ireland Hurling Championships, they were way back. They had a slogan, uh, not men, but joints. And that's exactly how I used to look at the, the yeah. players in the Glen. They were joints. And... Um, whether with their clothes on or in, in or with their uh, gear on, I thought they were giant, and I said I could never, I'll never be at that level, you know. But uh, fortunately, I did. You know. I always remember you, I, I, you gave an interview one time somewhere recently, and you said the greatest honour you ever got was putting on the Glen jersey. That's right, and I, even to this day, you now I mean, and I'm retired forty five years from playing. I think the Glen jersey is the best jersey in the country. I just the colours are magnificent, particularly. I was only looking at him there and down in the county final and the semi-final um, with the lights coming on and everything um, and the green grass. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a wonderful um, concept, the, the Glen jersey, you know. As we're on the Glen, who was the biggest influence? Who, who influenced you most who were in the club? In the club, um, the one thing about, the, I suppose, in the time I was playing... The, um, it was all very simple. Whatever position you were playing in, you got instructions how to play in that position. Um, and when I began in 1964 playing senior, I was very, very uh, privileged to be um, a midfield partner to Joe Salmon, who had come to Cork to work from Galway. And he was considered one of the classiest players to ever play in the county. And unfortunate not to win an All Ireland medal with Galway, reading, I think in two finals that he played in. But anyway, I played centre field with with um, Joe, and he used to always say to me, um, "That time when the goalkeeper pucked out the ball, you always try to keep it going in the air." And he said, <laughs> "That's true. <laughs> Midfielders are redundant, no." But um, the the skill he um, engendered into me was um, always, he said, trying to hit the ball at its highest point. First of all, he said, You're, you, you won't injure your opponent. Secondly, you won't get injured yourself. And thirdly, <laughs> you'll never break a hurley, he said. And he was correct. <laughs> they, they don't break him, I don't know. <laughs> but just before we go off the, the, the Glen, the college concept, there was one infamous, I suppose, is the best, best way to describe it. And it had a major influence, a major impact on Glen Rovers and college, and probably you personally. We're talking about the 1968 incident. And subsequently, Glen Rovers withdrew from the championship. That must have been a tough time for a, a, a man like yourself establishing yourself on the car team. Well, the year you're talking about was 1968, and I think the game was the quarter final of the uh, county championship against UCC. When an incident, we got with Glen, I remember recall very clearly, uh, we got a 65, which was called a 70 then. We were one point ahead, and it was uh, time was practically up. So, um, our right half-back was taken uh, with Shawnee Kennefick. He was a lovely free-taker, but he mishit the ball. 
and I happened to catch it. I was playing centre field, even though I was just in front of the kind of the centre back or the centre forward position, and I caught it and hit it over the bar, and ran out to my position for the puck out. But when I turned to face the ball, um, I could see it. I know it was a long way away from the the, the incident. I was seventy or eighty yards away, um, but um, uh, there was an incident and there was a shamazel. And out of that, uh, somebody, a player got injured from the college. And the referee stopped the match because he was in, 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 in amongst the, the players. But there was no puck out, and so there was nobody sent off or anything. And the game finished. Now, the, the player, there was a player got injured. And um, I, I can only say, say that I think he was being attended to. I, I don't know because I didn't see what happened at all. Didn't know what player was down injured, whether he was actually from the Glen or from the college. But anyway, the game finished without the, the ball being pucked out. There was nobody sent off. But as a consequence of all of that incident, uh, it subsequently materialised that um, um, one Glen player was um, suspended from the association, expelled really, where three other Glen players were, um, were suspended, and I think one or two from college. So... As a result of the player who was um, uh, very seriously sanctioned uh, by the the county board, in other words, he, he wasn't allowed to play uh, hurling or football again in a concept. Uh, the Glen found that a very harsh uh, um, penance to 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 take. So they convened an EGM where two hundred people uh, members turned up including uh, Jack Lynch, who was Taoiseach at the time. So, I mean, feelings were very high during the meeting, and to make a long story short, it was um, it was unanimously agreed. Well, the exception of one vote, one person, uh, was unan- um, that the Glen should withdraw from the, the county championship. I think we were in the quarterfinal against, um, I don't know, it was the Bars or the McKilly. And... Um, and but Jack Lynch uh, 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 spoke. He said, "Look, that okay. I can understand what um, how your feelings are, but I just want to point out." He said, "There'll come a time when you need to get back into the association, and how are you going to do that? You can't do anything from outside the association." And whilst he made lots of sense in that, feelings were far too high to be thinking about the future. So, as a consequence of that, um, the Glen pulled out of the championship. Considering, Dennis, the way the Glen were reared on winning county titles, that was a huge, huge decision at the time. Even putting the emotion aside for the Glen to withdraw the championship, some would say it was a courageous decision, others might say, was it the right thing to do? But whatever it was, it was a big decision. Oh, it was an enormous decision. I mean, it affected all the players. Like, we weren't allowed to go to any matches. It's like the way we're living at the moment in a covid we weren't allowed to go to any matches uh, in, in any shape or form that was being run by the GA. Anybody who was playing with Cork uh, wasn't allowed to play with Cork or go and see Cork playing. In fact, I recall that um, the day of the county final, um, which was the Bars and the McHilly, um, I was on the top of Caron Tool after climbing up the, the highest mountain in Ireland with uh, several other friends of mine. We were, <laughs> we said we couldn't stay in Carking because I, I, I was really, um, we were always going to matches that time, particularly county finals. So it was a very big, um, it was a very big decision 
I mean, we had as good a chance as the other two teams, like McKinley and Barras, of winning the county championship. You know, we had a good team. And I mean, cynics were affected too by it because, and uh, the bottom line was that we had no games anyway from that August evening, it was the beginning of August, until maybe February or March of the following year. And then come February or March, the two clubs, I presume, had to reapply. And then, obviously, 69 was a big year in so far as the Glen won the county, and cynics lost the county final, I think, by a point. Am I correct in saying so? The double was nearly achieved. The motivating factor then in 69 was to atone for 68, I presume. Yeah, 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 that's right. I learned at a very early age, attending, um, from playing with the Glen and Cynics, that the club always seemed to have a cause. You know, they, 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 they yeah, rightly. They, they manufactured a cl- uh, cause, you know, that we have to do it for Jackie Daly. We have to do it because he's given great service to the club or it could be somebody else. So 1969, we certainly had a cause in 1969, <laughs> and I'm afraid the county board was probably the cause at <laughs> the, that time, as opposed to any individual. But uh, And sure enough, we went on and we played the face, ironically, a year uh, after the, the incident, we faced the college again in the final. And um, I mean, at a certain stage in the game, um, we were in tri- serious trouble, you know. We were um, quite, I don't know, was it eight or ten points down midway through the second half, but we had a purple patch and um, we turned out uh, winners in the end. So, uh, and Cynics, two weeks later, were facing the college again in the county final. And uh, so we were going for a double, and it would have been an historic double. It would really have been now, you know, considering everything that went on in 1968. So, uh, and it was, I remember 1969 was a f- beautiful day again and uh, everything going our way until um, about a minute uh, to go. Um, the college got it very dubious free now. Very dubious. <laughs> a very dubious free in about, in about the middle of the field. But they took it quickly and it went out to Brendan Lynch, the, who was a carry right half hour at the time, a very good player. And uh, he um, he got it and he was fouled straight away, and it, which was a genuine foul that time. And he was... Phoenix never fouled. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so he was fouled straight away. The match was a draw, as I say. And... Um, didn't he? Um, the free was about 45 yards out, uh, out on the wing, near the sideline. And at that time, you had to kick the ball from the ground. And James, he kicked it over the bar. It was a great point, you know, but he, he needn't have done it that at that stage, you know. So uh, we were we lost out on the double by one point, which was a, a pity. And of all the, before we finish up the, the section in Glen and Cynics, and of all the, the county medals you won in, in hurling, because we've already spun about football, was 69. The most special, or was there others? Uh, for me, um, not having played in the '64 county final was a special medal because I never thought I'd play with the Glen. Never mind win a county medal, even though I had played in one or two rounds before that. But 1967, for me, we met the bars again, and they were favourites to win. Uh, it was uh, the first half was kind of wettish, but the second half was um, had dried up and the sun came out, and it was a fantastic game and was one of my better games I was playing centre half back the same day and um, it was one of my better games and I think the score was 3-9 2-9 but that to me now was um, was the 
winning that county medal for some reason was was the was the was the, was the one because even though we've I played in several county finals afterwards and I wasn't captain in two, I'd have selected one of those if we had won, but the, the, we didn't. But nineteen sixty seven for me was the the one I I, I liked most. And finally, ironically, then the last medal you won was nineteen seventy six. Am I right in saying that? And you didn't finish the match; you got an unfortunate injury. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's yeah, the reason they won. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a lot of fellas afterwards told me that just as well I went off. <laughs> that, uh, but they won a great county final that year, because we had been in nineteen seventy five. The county championship, the final was played in the Mardek because the uh, Parky Cueve was being uh, renovated. And uh, we were well beaten by uh, Blackrock, who had a star still at him. We were beat as well in the second half. So 1976 was an opportunity uh, to to try. Another cause. <laughs> Another cause, absolutely, yes. Um, and um, uh, I think Patsy Hart uh, got a, a vital goal that day. But the, the, Ollie Glenn played very well now, in fairness, even though I didn't know the result until pretty much late that night or the following day because I got an injury just before halftime and I didn't see any more of it or hear anything for a long time after that, yeah. But 67 is still the one? 67 is the one, yeah. No, you're in the county career, Dennis. We know when it started. I mean, you played in six hurling finals and two football finals. Unfortunately, 67, you were the captain and Cork didn't win, as we all know. But 73, from many, many people's respects was was this very special year and a very special team and of course Donny Donovan was involved it was um I think that the 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 turning point in Cork football was uh, Nemo Rangers winning the county championship in 72 strange uh, that uh, um to think but um Cork I was playing football with Cork since 1964 and uh, this was now sixty seventy three, and Cork hadn't changed much really in the in in the interim years from that I started playing from sixty four to seventy three. It was, um, you know, they picked the best players all the time, but uh, um, everything was you, you had to figure it all out yourself once you got on the field, which I still approve of largely. You know that you you think for yourself. But in 72, Nemo uh, won the county championship for the first time. So when it came to um, picking the selectors, Nemo Rangers asked for this. I, I understand that they, they, you could do it at the time. They asked for the selection and uh, they were given it. And they, um, Dinny MacDonald was their representative uh, on, the, on the thing. And in fairness to Dinny, he changed things around. He, um, you know, he 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 had a, a, a vision that, um, and he got Donny Donovan in to 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 coach the team. So, well, I was well used to Donny because with the Glen and Cynics, so I knew that um, that it would be good for Cork and that the other players would learn an awful lot. But the 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 whole scene and the whole attitude like that uh, changed as well. You know, Billy, and Frank. We're on it, but Billy, um, Billy and I were on the minor team in '63 together. He was centre forward then, as opposed to a goalkeeper, and I was a cornerback as opposed to a midfielder. No, you know, so um, so we we knew each other that uh, that length of time. So um, st- we we beat uh, Clare in the first round, 
And strangely enough, uh, as the, when the year was finished, we, we realised that Clare actually got the, the best score against us, <laughs> even though we beat them well. But in the Munster final, uh, Jimmy Barry was brought on, Jimmy JBM was brought on to the team, and uh, several more. And in the Munster final, which was in Cork, uh, we scored five goals in the first half. I think we got three against Clare in the previous match, five against uh, Kerry. And then Kerry made a great uh, recovery in the second half and Billy had to make a great save to to um, prevent them from, believe it or not, I think there were something like 12 points down at time, and they had brought it back. So and then we went to Tyrone uh, to play Tyrone in Crow Park and we got five goals against Tyrone. Now I have to say that one of the best footballers that I've ever played against, I was marking that day, which, but I didn't know him and he was um, Frank McGuigan. What a beautiful footballer. Subsequently, he, like myself, he scored 10 points in an Ulster final. And I think they were all from play, whereas some of mine were from freeze. In the but you didn't start that match? Oh, that's true. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, could add another five points onto that. <laughs> but um, we got another five goals against Tyrone. And so things were were going along very well at that stage. I mean, we were a very cohesive team and knew what everybody had to do. I was centre field with uh, Dinny Long and we had our own arrangement. Dinny was great for carrying the ball, getting it and carrying it. So Dinny was allowed to do that and he carried it towards the forwards where my role was to stay around the middle of the field and I would be more a defensive midfielder as opposed to the two was going in each the same direction at the same time. So there was a, a lot of understanding, a lot of thought went into it and... Um, in the uh, All-Ireland final course, Ray Cummins was playing as a full forward, great uh, target man, as well as uh, a distributor of the ball, Jimmy Barry Murphy. Um, Jimmy Barrett was very strong that time. You just think of that forward line there, no, you're the full forward, the full forward line. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Barry, we all know what kind he was, Ray yeah. Cummins. Ray probably changed the dynamics of full forward play, did he, Dennis? He did, yes. I'd say he was, the certainly in Cork, he was the first player to... to um, to be able to win his own ball, distribute it, which was a big thing at the time. And um, um, so he, he was a great asset, as was Declan Barron on the 40, one of the lovely footballer. And then you had Dave McCarthy and Ned Kirby in the wing. So, uh, so and the defence was very solid. You had, uh, in fact, you had four from Mill Street, believe it or not. Yeah, three in the defence. Uh, there, that's right, yeah. Three in the defence and one at midfield for me, Danny Long. So there was, um, it was a good football team, you know, we played a good brand of football. I mean, there was a lot of um, catching, but, and uh, even though there was a carrying too, you wouldn't be carrying it that often because it was an 80 minute uh, game that time. But um, all the kicking was, uh, there was a, a reason and um, to each kick, really, you know, uh, it was going to somebody or it was going to somewhere for a reason. So there was a good method and in the team and a very good um it brought all the, the team, the, the clubs together as well. Um, Two things about that team. First of all, was that year Billy Field broke his leg in the Ireland semi-final? Very, very good footballer. And the tragedy of that team didn't win more. Yeah, Billy was our free-taker and broke his leg against Tyrone in the semi-final. Um, as you said, the tragedy was that we didn't, but we 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 beat Kerry in the Monster final again in 74. I was captain in seventy four. I was there was um, there was nobody from the county champions in seventy four. I think it must have been the college. The college won it, yeah. So I was captain for the second time, 
um, having captained the team in 67, which we lost to Mead by a goal. Uh, so he was captain. We beat uh, Kerry below in Killarney on a very wet day, but they were league champions. Uh, so And we were All-Ireland champions, so there was over 40,000 at it. And um, we beat them. Well, it was Mick O'Connell's last game. He came on in the, in the second half on, on uh, at centre field. So that was looking very well for us going into the semi-final against Dublin, who scraped into the all in the Ireland semi-final because they were playing in Division Two, had beaten Carlo Wexford yeah. along the way to get to the Ireland. There is no bit like the Dublin team, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that we underestimated them. We were very complacent, you know, and. It wouldn't have been like that for Billy, Frank and myself because we were there. We had been there in 67 and any time I'd played against Dublin, they'd nearly always beaten us. They were always very confident players, you know, no matter what division they were in. So we knew we had a battle on our hands, but it didn't work. They were, they were just too good all over the field, very strong. And I was playing, I was marking a 19-year-old in centre, at centre field as, and it turned out to be a Brian Mullins. And my goodness, what a strong player at 19 years of age he was, you know. And how history evolved in the, the Cork team sadly disappeared and that Dublin team went on to contest, contest some great finds. Maybe not all successfully, you know, against Kerry, but had Cork beaten Dublin that in that semi-final, do you think we'd have won more? Uh, uh, probably a stupid question, but it, it's kind of an obvious answer. We probably would have. Well, there's no... Uh, you only win what you deserve, oh, Finney, OK? And... Um, we would have been playing Galway again in the in the in the final again. So you don't know we could um, we could have come up against a, a Galway team who who had decided listen we're not going to be beaten again. They had already been beaten in seventy one by Offaly. So you know they beaten were beaten by seventy three, and they had more or less the same players, all good footballers, Jimmy Duggan now and Liam Salmon and uh, Tommy Joe Gilroy and all those. Um, so. But there's no doubt like that we had the ability all right and we had the potential to win certainly more than one All-Ireland final, you know, and it was, I think it was probably... Um, would, uh, would it be one of your regrets as a footballer? I suppose it would, you know, that, um, and at the same time, I am so happy to have won an All-Ireland football medal, you know, but I, when, you, when you win something, it, there's always a, an innate um, desire to win again, you know, and uh, even though, um, but at the same time, you can't say that we would have won more. We we should have won more, but um, I suppose then it's, it's kind of the history of Cork football, really, isn't it? Forty-five to seventy-three, seventy-three to eighty-nine, eighty-nine to two thousand, and we, I know we won the double eighty-nine, but like we we should be winning more, but it's it's the way Cork football has gone. Well. You're right. I mean, it's the largest county in Ireland. We have the biggest pick. We should have, have you know, and there were plenty of good football play- teams and play- and players around at the time to ensure that there was a continuity because uh, looking back on the 73 team alone, um, the amount of players who had come from minor and under 21, which were very successful at that time, you know, the 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 um, the, 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 fo- the foundation was there for Cork to go on and win more. But as you say, I mean, 
45, which was the year I was born. So it was 28 years before we won another one. And then uh, after that was 19, yeah, another 15. So we, Cork should be, we should be winning more, really. Yeah. Now, Dennis, you, we've discussed your football career, your football career with Cork. Your hurling career with Cork brought great joy and, of course, some sad and some disappointing days. But you were, you were kind of retired at one stage and then came back Probably should have been captain in 70, but that's an argument for another day. But you you retired, came back, and then was part of a great cartoon that won three in a row. That must have, I won't say surprise you, but give a great satisfaction. Of course it did, yeah. I retired in 74 on a plane to, to, to Wembley. <laughs> and when I came back, I was retired. But and that's a day, another story, as you say. But, um, but the Glen got to the county final in 75. Uh, which was the year I had retired. Uh, I was retired now, twelve months from playing with Cork, hurling and football and everything. I was just concentrating on the club. And besides, I was thirty years of age. But um, we got to the county final and the, um, played Black Crock again above in the Mardyk, and they beat us. But I had a particularly good game playing centre back, and um, and didn't know any more until. Uh, two weeks later, the National League was starting. Well, we should point out that the National League started pre-Christmas, yeah. That's right, yeah, it started in October then. So, out of the blue, I found that I had been picked to play at centre-back for Cork without even being uh, consulted in any shape or form. So, um, but the Col- uh, Black Rocket won the county, as I say, and they took over the, um, the selection as well. And they really spread it out. There was Tim Milan from the Bars, Dennis Murphy from the Bars, Dennis Hurley from um, Sars, and there was Johnny Clifford and Christy Ring from the Glen. So, um, so over the next, as it happened, we didn't know it at the time, but over the next three or four years, those same selectors rotated depending on who won the county champion. So, um, so there was, uh, Frank Murphy was very involved as well. Frank was a selector. So the the whole scene changed, absolutely changed, and um, which was only apparent as we went on. But I was picked anyway at centre back against Tipperary, and I used to always love playing against Tipperary. I really enjoyed it because it used to bring out the best in me, and I played particularly well against um, the tip that day. Um, and particularly if I was marking Francis Lachnan who was a very good uh, tip player but after the match um, Christy Ring came over to me and he said uh, well done he said yeah good match but he said you won't be playing centre back anymore I said why he said we have another man a young fellow in, in mind for that he said you will be going to wing back he says left half back and sure that the, the, the chap you saw but was uh, Johnny Crowley from Bishopstown whom I didn't know at all but he blossomed into a great player then during the 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 trainer role, but it's it's funny how um, fortunes can uh, go or with, with you or against you. Um, in seventy five, then uh, later that year, um, in seventy five, sorry, in seventy six, we were drawn against Tipperary, and we were playing them in Limerick, and we were a pint up with a minute to go after a tough t- uh, tussle now. Um, and one of the there was a guy of Shemus Power, I think it was his name, from Tip. He shot for goal, and the ball hit the post, and it ran right across the line, and it hit the other post, and it came out. We went down to win three in a row, and Tiberi didn't win a championship match for fifteen years. I mean, yeah. it was just small margins. Small margins. It could have gone much the other way. So I was uh, around for three in a row, which I was very fortunate, at, and. Um, we had more or less the same cohort of um, of players, 
but in fairness um, at the same time they're, they're refreshed it every year Tom Cashman came on uh, Dermot McCurtain came on there were all the players came along all the time you know so they were refreshing it um, as as the, the time went on until 1979 then when we were kind of surprisingly beaten by Galway if I recall 78 Munster finals that day the big win against Clare two points up turning to play against the win was it 5-3 at half time or something won by two points yeah, actually, there was a gale force win there. I can uh, really uh, recall that. And um, the score was five points to two. And fair. we were ahead at half time, five points to two. And four of the points came from the John Horgan, the late John Horgan, Gobby Goodwin, uh, who scored four long range frees. And the other point came from him. Um, uh, uh, Tom Cashman who was playing centre field so with a star so they made uh, them forwards yeah. we, we failed to score with a gale force wind so the um, the odds were against us at, at half time but in fairness like Chris Shearing gave a, a fantastic yeah. speech in the someone said that to me <coughs> elaborate on that didn't it yeah well um, we were experienced enough now at this stage too you know that um, uh, playing uh, that the quality of uh, playing club hurling with the bars at Black Rock and the Glen and, and a few other teams, like uh, we were well tuned in to uh, each other. So um, Frank had said a few words, and then just as we were going out, Ring, Ring stopped us, and he, he 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 spoke for maybe three minutes, but uh, it was extraordinary. And we went out onto the field, there was no sign of Clare. And um, we were another five or six minutes waiting before Claire came out. Now, the, the story was that they were singing in the dressing room yeah. and, uh, and they were pretty sure. But uh, we put up a great rear guard in the second half and won 13 points for 11. I think it was also at the first Monster final that there was no goal scored, you know. Can you recall what Christie said? Um, not really, no, except that we're Cork, yeah. you know. Uh, he, he used to think, look, we're Cork. And, but... Uh, I was I was just more interested in looking at him than th- hearing him, you know. But he was very animated in a very positive way and a controlled way, you know. Of course, Dennis, at that time you'd have experienced Christie in Glendrest rooms. The start of that era, some lads, the likes of Jimmy and Ray and all these, wouldn't have experienced him. He'd have, he'd have been a new phenomenon for them in the dressing room. That's true. Um, you're right. Um, I was used to him, and in fact, the first time I really heard him was at halftime of the county. Uh, semi-quarterfinal against Blackrock down the park on a Sunday night um, Blackrock were uh, were at the, at the cusp of becoming really good now they were for the next 10 years they were very good with 69 they had uh, the blend of old and young and um, they were on top of us at half before half time and Ringy delayed kept us in the dressing room after at half time and he gave a wonderful speech there as well so um so he was a big inspiration for us, really. And um, no matter whether what club you were from, like we were, he inspired us all. You know, as in fairness, now the other selectors are all very good. You know, they all had uh, a part to play, and um, and I, I, not all the the. the not all decisions were making by Christie alone. <laughs> Most of them, though. <laughs> it might have seemed like that, but they were all very collective decisions. And I, I think it, it it spilled over to the team, too, that there was nobody better than anybody else. Like we were all just a, a, a good unit. You know? What was your overriding emotion when you won your first medal in, in 1976? They beat Wexford 2-2 down after, what, seven or eight minutes and won a great game. What was your overriding emotion, having won county medals with the Glen? Well, that's a very easy for me to answer because 
I had missed out in 66 through injury, even though I was on the panel at the beginning of the year. So that was one All-Ireland gone. 69, we were at hot favourites to beat Kilkenny, and we lost that. 72, we had a lead of eight points going into the last 15 minutes and lost by seven. So that's now three All-Ireland hurling finals gone. So I was You were a sub in 70 when many people yeah, felt yeah. you should have been on the team. Yeah. So I now felt like that uh, my time was nearly gone that um, for winning it on the field of hurling medal, you know. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I've forgotten your question. What was your overriding emotion? <laughs> He's 75, lads. Think of, what was your overriding emotion? Uh, uh, what was your overriding emotion at the end of that match? Yeah. That uh, I had to, uh, won a, a, an All Ireland hurling medal on the field, and that was really uh, the most important um, success I've had on the playing field. And I was very lucky not to have quite a few, but that to me was it was hurling. I suppose it was my first love always, and I had no won it on the field, so it was uh, very, very um, satisfying altogether. 77, Cork retained the title, and then 78. And if, if I could make a comparison, when the Cork footballers won in 89, they had beaten Mayo. But everyone felt the Cork footballers wouldn't be recognised until they beat me at that time. How important was it for the Cork hurlers in 78 to beat Kilkenny, the arch enemy? Yeah, that was very important because um, we went back on it afterwards, not before the match, but after we had beaten all the, the Premier Counties, all the hurling counties, in over the three or four years at some stage in the in the Championship. Now, they were all knockout, as you know, at that time. So every every Championship match was an All-Ireland final. I mean, if you were gone, you were gone. So we were pleased, genuinely, to, to know that we were playing Kilkenny in the final. So there was a huge effort put into it, and the overriding feature was that um, we nearly changed our style of hurling and one player in particular had to change the style um, which was very very um, honourable of him and that was Gerald McCarthy Gerald was as you know a class hurler in any position but the previous year 1970 um, 7 he had um, so I'm getting mixed up now 78 Seven, he had to change Gerald had to change his style of hurling um, no he didn't he had to change in 1977 but in 78 we all had to change our style of hurling and, and, the, and the, the reason was because we knew Kilkenny if they get if we allowed them to get the ball in their hand that they would become very very difficult to, 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 to uh, dislodge or to beat so we trained very uh, strongly to keep every ball as near as possible to keep it moving the length of the field no matter what part of the field you're in and not to allow um, a Kilkenny player to get the ball in his hand at any stage without uh, committing freeze or anything like that so that's what we concentrated on and um, we knew then going into the game that was from our point of view it was going to be a dour game yeah. but, you know that it wasn't going to be a Cork and Kilkenny classic <clears throat> like it was in 72 or 69 for those of us who were still around so uh, we all made it, um, it or, or, or sole aim not to uh, make anything that Kilkenny would find easy to get the ball in their hand, high or low, whatever. So that was the thing that... that. Um, so, so the, the mantra was better to win a bad match than lose a great match. Yeah, as Chris Ewing has just said, it's better to win it easy than to lose it hard. So we, we were going to, um, at all costs, once we... Uh, kept the ball away from Kilkenny that we were going to concentrate on that and that was our, that was our strategy for the day.
And was it the following year, 79, then you, you called time and you were into county career after winning every honour in the game, really? You know, you, at, at inter-county level, apart from what you won with Glen Rovers? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, we were beaten in, by Galway in the, the All-Ireland semi-final, <coughs> 79. So effectively, um, Galway stopped us from potentially winning five in a row in, because they beat us in 75 and 79 and we won each even though we beat them during the three in a row but um, but no because I, we were beaten there but I still played in the National League in 79 stroke 80 which we won yeah. uh, after a replay against Limerick so I was still hanging around and we we played in the um, we played in the Munster Championship and uh, in 1980 we beat Limerick in the in the Munster final uh, no, the, the, the Limerick beat us in 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 nineteen eighteen the Munster final by three points I think. So um, I still played in the, at the beginning of the eighty one national league or in the eighty eighty one. I retired you too early. That's right, Michael Little retired me in nineteen seventy four. No, you're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it was time to go, I suppose. But uh, so I have finished effectively in nineteen eighty two at. Um, 36 years of age. And no regrets of your hurling career? None much, any regrets? I think I'd have regrets if I hadn't lasted as long as I did. But I couldn't have played any more after 1982, as I say, I was 36. I still continued to play with the Glen for another year. But, um, so I hadn't, and the short answer is no, I have absolutely no regrets at all of any description, whether hurling or football. I had a wonderful career. I was very fortunate with injuries. I got great support from my wife Margaret, and the and the children were very good as well. So even though we've uh, sacrificed not having not having any summer holidays from time to time, but we might have made up for it in other ways. But I had a lot of help along the way and a lot of encouragement, and um, I avoided injury that um, that uh, allowed me to to continue playing. We, we've covered most aspects of your life and it's been a fascinating chat of course being friendly it was easy being friends is easy to do this but just the Glen have had so many outstanding people over the years I mean and you're part of that legacy but how important were we'll say Jack Lynch and Chris Turing to the club or is that a stupid question no I think uh, um, I know Jack and uh, Chris Turing have been singled out over the years um in 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 presenting the Glen Glen Rovers and indeed <coughs> excuse me, uh, Senex to a lesser degree, uh, of being a prominent and successful club, but they had assistance from some other wonderful players along the way too. I mean, Fox Collins was probably he was the first Glen man to win in All Ireland, and um, so you had Doctor Jim Young, you had Dave Crean. The list could go on really. Who who who? The problem here is if you leave someone out. That's the problem, exactly. So, um, so it came all the way up to Jerry Sullivan, but in, in along the way, you had Jack Lynch and Chris Deering, and of course, Chris Deering would have uh, made any club famous if he was playing for them. We were just fortunate enough that he came from Cline uh, to Glen Rovers at a certain age and uh, played for Glen Rovers. But he had his name made uh, at that stage too uh, because he was playing with Cork. And Jack Lynch, by all accounts, I mean, Jack was a part of the Glen's eight in a row which is synonymous with um, winning Cork County Championships, which will hardly ever be equaled again. 
and he was an exceptional person um, as 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 he went down in life becoming um, a politician and then subsequently being a Taoiseach and a very popular Taoiseach. So it's understandable that those two yeah. people, for two different reasons, are maybe, uh, well, Jack was very uh, successful as a hurling footballer winning uh, medals in both. So I think any club would have been lucky to, unfortunately, have had one. I think the Glen were lucky to have two like that. And in their own way, they they, they enhanced the reputation of the Glen enormously. Uh, I'm just going to say on and off the field because Jack threw his uh, connections and so on and so forth. And um, um, so we we all followed in that uh, slipstream and that made us all proud to be playing for the Glen and Cynix as well then because uh, they, they had set the, the standard and, um, and set the road out for us. So I... Um, as I said at the beginning, I could have ended up playing with Napier Sheik or St. Vincent because there was no uniformity that time. So I was very, very fortunate to, to play with the Glen. And they have been my life since then. I suppose I'm, I'm 75 now, and that was from 12. So that's how many years? 63 years, three years ago. So, um, yeah, Glen Cynics. I'm, I'm sure I'm still involved with Cynics um, in some minor capacity. And... Uh, was chairman there for a while so I hope the board clubs go on to live another hundred years you know they've given you a lot and know that you, even though you are involved and I, I can testify I'm testament to that life after Glen and Hurling and Glen Cynics and football and Hurling and Cork it's been it's been good to hear everything I know you play a bit of golf and you've made lots of friends all over the country yes we're fortunate we have, we have to have good health both Margaret and myself and um, and our children have grown up and they're all in Cork so we have a lovely family unit um, in, around Cork so and we're part of a couple of gramophone societies that we love music and um, we, we go attend those regularly um, we we <laughs> go to poetry uh, with friends of ours in their house and uh, there's a group of maybe 12 or 14 and I was always interested in poetry anyway so um, so we have a, a, a good lifestyle, as I say. Uh, we play golf. Uh, I was fortunate to be... Ca- we play in Cork Golf Club, both of us. And Margaret was captain there in 2009 uh, of the ladies' section. And I was captain in 2001, which was a great honour. But... Uh, um, and... I've always been involved in sport. And I suppose, strange to say, having gone through all this interview and talked about this and that and everything. Uh, I took up squash uh, in 1976 and um, of all the games that I've played, squash is the one I like the best. You know, it's a 40-minute game and it's uh, against another opponent and, you know, you, you, you can... I used to play three or four times a week and you could play on your way home from work or whatever without taking up much time. And ironically, the person who taught me how to play over in the orchard bar was uh, Christy Ring himself, who was uh, a wonderful squash player himself, a name in Young, or um, synonymous with um, the rivalry on the squash court. Um, and uh, I used to play with Christy Ring maybe once or twice a week um, in, in, uh, of an evening. And, well, he was wonderful to play against. He had great wrists and so on and so forth. So, no, I have to say, in all honesty, that I've had a wonderful life. Um, <clears throat> I've been, uh, I have some great friends and 
happy to be here and to have done the book, which I thought I'd never do. And I'm going to finish on a sporting theme. I'm going to ask you two simple questions. Toughest player you played against at inter-county level now in hurling and in football? Now, toughest is a, is a, is a, is, a, is it that the, the best player or the toughest? We, we'll say the best player, so. <laughs> well, I'll put two questions. Um, I, I was fortunate enough not to play against Jimmy Doyle, but he was just at the, the end of his career as I was starting mine. But... Um, without mentioning any Cork players, yeah, because I'd be biased, yeah. Uh, the best player that I ever encountered at um, hurling in my lifetime was Mick Roach of Tipperary, who died tragically there uh, two years ago. I thought he was the, the, the consummate hurler in every way. He was purely a sportsman, played the ball all the time, but a wonderful, wonderful hurler. In football, I really had the pleasure of playing against some very good footballers. Jimmy Duggan of Galway. Now, the late Pat Griffin of Kerry was the bane of my life for a while in Munster finals. But uh, the king of it all, of them all, was um, Mick O'Connell from Kerry. And it was the one thing match I used to look forward to um, every year. I played in 10 Munster finals, football finals. And I think I marked Mick O'Connell and maybe five of them. And uh, I used to look forward to that uh, more than any other game hurling or football because uh, you knew if we were going to be pure football, there was no pulling and dragging or anything. And uh, he was an expert at high feeling and giving passes. So apart from playing against him, I had the pleasure of playing with him Railway Cup with Munster when Munster won the Railway Cup in 1972 for the first time in 29 years. He and Mick Godwire. Uh, were instrumental very strongly in, in, in Munster winning that. I don't think they had Munster medals themselves, Railway Cup medals. But um, so Mick O in football and, and uh, Mick Roach in, in hurling. I think that's as good a, that's as good a finish to that thing. You said there, Dennis, you've made great friends. I'm privileged to call you a friend. I've enjoyed this chat and the very best look with the book. Thank you very much, Renee. Thank you very much indeed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.